For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. I'm getting calls from the media now, uh, several of them, saying be ready for an indictment to come down against Donald Trump, maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. I don't know whether it's true or not, but uh, my sources in the media tell me that uh, the indictment would not be for mere uh, unauthorized possession of classified material, but for obstruction of justice in trying to prevent the Justice Department from getting to the bottom of the issue of how the classified material came to be at Mar-a-Lago and what role um, Trump may have played in bringing it there. As you know, I predicted on this podcast, I predicted in print that there would be no indictment simply, simply for the possession of classified material, because obviously we know that Joe Biden and Pence and uh, others uh, um, have possessed classified material and haven't been indicted. But I also predicted that the government would be seeking an indictment based on some obstruction of justice, some process charge, some charge relating to what he said. Um, and that's very common. Uh, people say um, it's always the cover-up. No, it's not. Uh, most cover-ups, unfortunately, work, or at least a great many work. We only know about the ones that don't. And when a cover-up is exposed, yeah, there's a very high likelihood there'll be criminal prosecution. Uh, but look, I haven't seen all the evidence. I haven't been to the grand jury. I haven't spoken to uh, anybody who has um, confidential information. So I'm just speaking from what I read in the newspapers and here on the media. But from, from what I've seen, I don't see criminal obstruction of justice. What I see is a difference between how the Bidens behave, particularly how President Biden behaved, and how Trump behaved. Biden immediately cooperated, um, said, yeah, do search anything, do anything you want, uh, call me in, I'll answer all, all your questions. Completely, completely cooperative, which is his right, and probably in some moral sense, the right thing to do. Trump did not cooperate. Uh, he tried to make it harder for the government to uh, obtain uh, information that he believed they were trying to use to put him behind bars. That is his right. Under the Constitution, under the Fifth and Sixth Amendments to the Constitution, a defendant doesn't have to cooperate with law enforcement. Whether you cooperate is not a matter of law or even a question of morality. It's a question of tactics. Uh, sometimes I have my clients cooperate when I think it will get them a better deal. But when I think the government has made up its mind, no way. You're not talking to them. You're not giving them permission to search. You're making every possible motion you can to prevent the search. You are trying to obstruct what they believe is justice, what you believe is an injustice. I use obstruct loosely to mean prevent them from getting what they want. Now, there's a line between mere obstruction, which lawyers do all the time, raising motions, uh, challenges, and illegal obstruction. The line is not always clear. It's a very wiggly line. 
between proper uh, obstruction, constitutionally protected obstruction. Look, anybody who takes the Fifth Amendment, anybody who pleads the Fifth Amendment obstructs justice. Anybody who makes a motion to return uh, material that was seized in violation of the Fourth Amendment, the way, for example, the Mar-a-Lago um, uh, documents were obtained in violation of the Fourth Amendment, in my constitutional belief, that's, that's always obstructive, but it's not illegally obstructive. It's constitutionally protected obstructive. Uh, the Constitution talks about confronting witnesses. That's obstructive. You know, people in the Me Too movement say, oh, you shouldn't be allowed to cross-examine rape victims because they won't come forward if they have to be cross-examined. First of all, we don't know whether they're rape victims or whether they're victimizers. That's what a trial is supposed to uh, determine. You can't presume guilt. You can't presume that a person who claims to be sexually assaulted was sexually assaulted. You believe them enough to start an investigation, and then you go where the evidence takes you. If the evidence takes you to uh, false charges, you go there and you prosecute the false charger. But you don't base your rules on a presumption of guilt the way they do in many cases uh, today, for example, keeping the names of alleged rape victims out of the newspapers and away from the jury sometimes even uh, for a while. Um, that suggests the presumption of, of guilt, and uh, that shouldn't be allowed to apply under our Constitution. So I'm anxious to see what the evidence is against Trump, why they think he crossed the line from lawful obstruction to uh, unlawful obstruction. The statute is completely unclear as to what makes the line crossed. Uh, completely unclear. The words in the obstruction of justice statute is so unclear, corrupt, motive. What does that mean as distinguished from a self-serving uh, motive. Uh, these are issues that juries are asked to define. Judges give them instructions, but the instructions are often as vague as the statutes. And so uh, you can easily stretch the obstruction statutes to fit political opponents, which is what I'm concerned uh, may be happening in, in the Trump case. Again, I don't have to say this. I've said it too many times. I'm not a Trump supporter. I voted for Hillary Clinton. I voted for Joe Biden. i regrettably even voted for Barack Obama for his second term. I wish I hadn't. I wish I had voted for Romney. He would have been a better president, certainly on foreign policy. Um, but I'm not a, a, a Trump supporter. I have no intention of voting for him in the next election, unless he runs against uh, um, uh, Sanders or, or Warren or one of the crazy uh, hard left um, uh, radicals. Um, but uh, I'm intending to vote for a moderate Democrat. That's who I am. Um, but uh, I don't put that before I put my constitutional analysis. Uh, you know, I care about the Constitution. I care about it so much. I wear a tie <clears throat> that has the words of the Constitution, the handwritten words, not handwritten on the tie. Uh, so if I ever forgot what a provision is, I just look it up on my tie. A little hard to read, but the symbolism is, is there. Uh, for me, the Constitution comes first. The Constitution comes second. The Constitution comes third. And partisan politics gets a, a, a 12th to 13th place in my thinking. I, I'd rather the candidate I vote for lose than the constitutional provision I support lose. So that's been my attitude from the very beginning. It's gotten me enemies on both sides, enemies on both sides. People on the left say I'm a traitor. I deserted the left. I used to be a leftist. I was never a leftist. I was a liberal, a libertarian liberal. But I've abandoned the left. I've abandoned the Democrats by supporting Trump. And the Trump people are saying, 
I'm, I've abandoned Trump because I didn't vote for him. I never abandoned him because I never was going to vote for him. But um, extremists on both sides hate me. Very proud of that. Uh, but more and more and more liberals at the center of the Democratic Party hate me because either they don't understand what it means to represent somebody you don't agree with. It's true of some people. It's probably true of Larry David. I, I don't think he understands um, what it means for John Adams to have represented the uh, people accused of the Boston Massacre. He probably would have canceled uh, John Adams and not allowed him to come on Martha's Vineyard. Um, I, 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 th that's Larry David. Uh, but there are many, I, many of my colleagues, professors, who understand it full well. They just pretend they didn't understand it. They just lie about it to themselves. And they say, oh, well, he defended Trump on the floor of the Senate. He did a good job. So he must be a Trump supporter. No, no, that, that isn't the case. I also defended the rights of Nazis to march through Skokie to people that become a Nazi supporter. I defended the rights of communists to teach at Brooklyn College. I hated communism, still hate communism. But I care more about the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment than I do about who's going to win for any particular uh, office. So I think we can anticipate that there will be uh, an indictment. And I think it will be an indictment uh, for a process crime. Um, they may couple it with uh, a charge as well of um, the possession of classified material only so that Trump can't make the argument, oh, well, look, they didn't indict me for the classified material. So how can I have obstructed justice? Well, the law is you can't obstruct justice, even if you're innocent. And even if the thing you obstructed it about um, is not uh, something you're guilty of. But you have to cross that line. You have to have done it with a corrupt motive. You have to have done something illegal instead of something which some people might think is immoral. I don't. I think it's perfectly okay for a defendant to resist in every lawful way possible. You know, even Oliver Wendell Holmes once said it in the context of taxes that um, every citizen is morally obligated to pay as little taxes. I don't agree with that, as the law permits. Um, but uh, certainly when you're being investigated for a crime, don't be altruistic. Do whatever it is in your own best interest. If it's in your best interest to plead, plead. If it's in your best interest to fight, fight. If it's in your best interest to go to the media and argue, go to the media and argue. That's your right. Uh, the media, your right into the First Amendment. Uh, right to uh, resist uh, a search and seizure, Fourth Amendment, uh, right not to testify, Fifth Amendment, right to get the best lawyer you can afford or to try to get a lawyer that will do it pro bono. I do half of my cases pro bono. That's your right under the Sixth Amendment. And let's not confuse a defendant's ability to resist the government. Resisting the government is a high ideal uh, in many, many parts of life. Uh, we started our country by resisting our government when in the course of you know, human events. Um, so, so um, I, you know, Joe Biden gets no points for me because he cooperated. That was his in, his in his interest, in his political interest, probably in his legal interest. But Trump loses no points with me because he failed to cooperate as long as he didn't cross the lines. And I haven't seen it. Let's wait and see if an indictment comes down, what the evidence is. If it's, you know, a brag type indictment, Again, it will do so much damage to our criminal justice system. It has to be an indictment that passes the shoe on the other foot test. It has to be an indictment that would be the same if the indictment were written against uh, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's son, any Democrat 
at all. You know, I've told the story before. I wrote a book called The Case Against Impeaching Donald Trump. Um, the original title of that book was The Case Against Impeaching Hillary Clinton. I started writing it. I started talking to my publisher about it in 2016, in the summer of 2016, when it looked like Hillary Clinton was going to be elected president. And the Republicans were pledging to, in, to impeach her on the day she got into office. And I, I said, I'm going to write a book about that. And I started doing the research, uh, reading the constitutional conventions, looking at commentaries in the early 18th century, 19th uh, century, a late 18th century, about the meaning of the impeachment provisions. And then, lo and behold, something happened on the way to the forum. The American people, the Electoral College, voted uh, for Donald Trump. The people voted for Hillary Clinton, but that's not the way we conduct elections in America. And so uh, Trump got elected. So I tossed away a book entitled The Case Against Impeaching Hillary Clinton, but it wasn't very long after that, I realized that I had to write the book, uh, the same book, uh, same research, same outcome, but about uh, Donald Trump. I actually have a mock cover that we printed, um, the case against impeaching Hillary Clinton. So that's been my position right from the beginning, uh, neutrality. Um, I simply will not play politics with, with the Constitution, and I, I will not allow uh, partisan considerations to outweigh my experience of 60 years as a criminal lawyer, criminal law professor for 50 years, and as somebody who cares deeply about the Constitution. So I'm going to defend Trump. I'm not going to defend them in court. I have a general policy. I defend people only once. I don't want to become consigliores to uh, career criminals. So I don't generally defend people more than once, but I will certainly defend them in the court of public opinion if I feel that the indictment is unjustified. If the indictment is justified, you know, if somehow we come up with a telephone call in which uh, Trump or anybody uh, says, destroy the evidence, uh, hide it, uh, make it go away, then that's different. That's obstruction of justice. Destroying evidence under subpoena is obstruction of justice. Uh, Sean Hannity loves to point to the fact that Hillary Clinton uh, allegedly or her people allegedly destroyed thousands and thousands and thousands of emails, but she claimed that those emails were personal emails and not subject to a subpoena. You know, that could be obviously uh, subject to a hearing uh, and, and, and we'll see what comes out. Of course, we'll never know whether they were personal or not because they were destroyed. And that's part of the problem of, of destroying evidence. The only point, and I just make it one more time before we go to letters, the law has to be equal. If it's not equal, it's just not the law. Again, I said this before, the Bible in the book of Deuteronomy, lo takir ponim, an instruction to judges, do not recognize faces. Do not do justice on the basis of who the person is, what party they belong to, what race they belong to, what gender they belong to. Wear a blindfold. Don't know who the litigants are. Don't peek under that blindfold, because if you do, it's not justice. It's politics. Okay. So yesterday's show was very, very controversial on Ukraine. I didn't think it would be so uh, controversial, but I must have gotten over 100 letters supporting Russia and saying Ukraine's at fault. Ukraine's the villain. They fired first. They were trying to kill um, Russian inhabitants of cities in the eastern uh, uh, Ukraine. I was just shocked how many 
how many uh, supported uh, Russia. They, they did it for a variety of reasons, um, but um, mostly they did it um, because they don't like Ukrainians. Uh, they think Ukrainians are uh, too close, some of them to the think too close to the um, uh, Biden family. Well, of course, you know, both the Bidens and the Trumps had something to do with Ukraine. Uh, the first impeachment grew in part out of a Ukrainian connection. All right, let me read some of the letters. The Finns fought alongside the Nazis. Yeah, they did, and they should be condemned for it. So did the Hungarians, some. Uh, so did Romanians, yes. So did Italians. Remember, the Italians are different because the Italian fascist party under Mussolini was not anti-Semitic in the beginning. In fact, Jews voted for uh, Mussolini, but once uh, it was taken over by the Nazis, obviously, it's a different story. Not a pretty picture, but none of these people are now adopting Nazi symbols, honoring those who collaborated with the Nazis. Well, a little bit in Poland, a little bit in some of the other countries. There are some, but not as many as in, in Ukraine. This is what's so disturbing. My grandfathers were from France and Norway, both of which had Nazi sympathizers, as did England, by the way, as did America. Uh, by the way, you know, there were marches. I live uh, right near York Avenue. York Avenue was called Germantown. Uh, Madison Square Garden was filled with 30,000 Nazis saluting Hitler, wearing swastikas in the run-up to the Second World War. So don't, don't exempt the United States from Nazi sympathy. There was a lot of Nazi sympathy in the United States, as there was in Great Britain. Uh, Quislings, etc. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, find something else to honor. I remember seeing posters of the Paris Metro honoring uh, CDK, CGG, I don't know who it is. C, oh, uh, who is that? CDG at the 100th anniversary of his birth, Charles de Gaulle. And one of them simply said, the honor of France. So, so simply and so true. Of course, de Gaulle had some very, very extreme right wing sympathies and some extreme racist uh, sympathies too, but he, uh, you know, and, and was not much of a, a hero. I mean, he, he was a coward mostly. He spent the entire Second World War hiding in Britain and then only marched into Germany when it was uh, victoriously liberated by the American and, and Russian army and tried to take credit for the victory and actually did get partitioned uh, Berlin into a partition for France. I never understood that. France uh, behaved horribly. Uh, during uh, the Second World War, particularly Vichy, uh, France, which, let's see, there was a letter about that, actually, saying, let's see if I can find it, it's mixed in with the other letters. Yeah, it says, uh, Zelensky is a Jew, but so is Gertrude Stein. I don't know how many of you know the history of Gertrude Stein, but it's, it's pretty horrible. She was a Jewish woman uh, who had a Jewish woman friend, um, and they were, you know, great... Um, um, artistic uh, figures. Uh, she collected a lot of Matisse's and, and uh, Picasso's, although most of the credit for the great art went to her brother who escaped uh, Nazi invasion of France and moved to Palo Alto. Not, not, not so with uh, Gertrude Stein. She was a Nazi, a Jewish Nazi. Uh, she, she lived openly in France as a Jew and um, she proposed Hitler for a Nobel Peace Prize. She um, praised him. Uh, she wrote the preface to a book by the Nazi leader of the Vichy uh, regime. And according to some sources, she may have revealed the hiding places of Jewish children to her closest friend. Who was her closest friend in occupied um, uh, France and in uh, Vichy France? Who was her closest friend? The head of the Gestapo, who then she and others helped to escape. 
um, uh, justice. So Gertrude Stein is one of the most disgraceful women ever to walk the planet. And when the museum, uh, Metropolitan Museum did a did a uh, an exhibition of her great art, I demanded that they include the fact that she collaborated with the Nazis. And finally, after a few weeks, they put up a sign indicating that she had collaborated with the Nazis. So, you know, look, being a Jew, whether it's George Soros or um, uh, Gertrude Stein, doesn't mean you're not a bigot. Uh, plenty of Jewish bigots, uh, as there are for any other background. Um, okay. I said that Israel had done more for the world in its first 75 years of existence than any other country, and I got this response. I would agree with that, but my opinion, no country has ever done more for the world than the United States, period. I think that's right. I think the United States in the 250 or so years that it's been in existence has done more for the world than any country uh, in history, um, and I hope it continues to do that, but I stand by my statement, which he doesn't disagree with, that in terms of the first 75 years, when we talk about from, say, 1776 to um, uh, 1850, um, the contributions of the United States to the world were not nearly as great as Israel's contribution to the world. We live in a different world, of course, and it's easier to make contributions to the world today uh, globally than it would have been um, in the end of the um, 18th century. But uh, the facts are the facts. Okay, here's, here's something that isn't intended as being anti-Semitic, but it really ends up being anti-Semitic. Uh, it's an important point. Uh, he said, I'm not agreeing with it, with you know the Ukraine criticism, but I think the legacy of modern Ukrainian anti-Semitism largely comes from the Jewish-Russian leadership in the Holodomor. For example, Lazar Kaganovich, uh, even Timothy Snyder admitted in Bloodlands that Jews were overrepresented in communist leadership, uh, hiding those facts solidifies the anti-Semite sense of correctness. What's anti-Semitic about this is saying Jewish leadership. There was no Jewish leadership. There were individual Jews, bad people, people who were individually Jewish, like George Soros, who were leaders in the Communist Party and did terrible things in Ukraine and in the Soviet Union. Trotsky was one of them. Trotsky hated Jews, hated Jewishness, killed probably more Jews than Yasser Arafat, um, but he was born Jewish. But to call them Jewish leadership, it's like saying Jewish money or Jewish control of the media. There are individual Jews who have done things, some very good, some very bad. The Jews don't get credit for Einstein, and they don't get blame for for Trotsky, uh, these are individuals who happen to be of Jewish heritage. And when you start lumping together people and saying it's Jewish leadership or Jewish money, then I think we really have a problem, a problem that uh, I think we ought to be more sensitive to and not use terms like that. Okay, um, here's final letter. I am an atheist. I have no understanding of why people hate Jews but I believe hatred of Israel is based on the hatred of Jews. I have no doubt about that. I mean, if Israel was not the nation state of the Jewish people, it would be treated like Switzerland or be treated like Australia. Australia is probably a good example. Australians killed more uh, of the local original population um, than obviously um, Israel uh, has done in its, its 75 years or even before that. 
But the fact that Israel is the nation state of the Jewish people uh, explains much. Uh, it's the reason why the, the Catholic Church, the Vatican, didn't recognize Israel for so many years when it jumps to recognize uh, countries immediately. It, it's not the Palestinians, because if it were the Palestinians, then people would focus more on the Kurds and people would focus more on other minority groups, the Uyghurs uh, in China. It's the Jews. It's the fact that Israel is the nation state of the Jewish people, which transfers the hatred of the Jews to the hatred of the Jewish state. And it, uh, it, it's, it's something that's contagious and Jews catch it too, the same way that some African-Americans catch self-hatred. Uh, and every group catches that. And it's true among Jews too. There are Jews who hate Israel because it's an embarrassment to them. They want to be with their liberal friends and, and talk about the Palestinian rights. Well, how many people mention the Palestinians were often stated in 1937, 1938, 1948, uh, 1967, 2000, 2001, 2007, and even more recently, and they turned it down every time. So don't blame Israel and don't blame the Jews for the failure of the Palestinian leadership. Even the head of the Palestinian Authority now, Mohammed Abbas, admits that it was a terrible mistake for the Palestinians to turn down the UN's division in which Palestine today would be a state uh, much larger than, than the Palestinian Authority and larger than uh, the arable and populated sections of Israel. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Stay tuned. Tune in. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.